Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's stand together. We're going to read part of the Christmas story, a very interesting part of the story. If you have your uh, Bible, I'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Please do that with me. And we're going to talk about the making of me, Lord, make me a star follower. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this. When he heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they had come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When, he had opened, when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Let your word come forth with boldness and clarity today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, if I give you names like Captain Kirk or Spock or if we, uh, you know, do like Ahura, then you would say, well, Pastor, you're talking about Star Trek. And I personally like Star Trek. But this is the first Star Trek. Th this is episode one right here. So if you thought the other was episode one, you were... Sadly mistaken. This is very interesting because Matthew gives us a very sketchy account of this uh, in the Bible. We don't know a whole lot about this other than what Matthew gives us of this regal uh, visit, these travelers coming from the Far East. And these magi, and that's the word that's used here in your scripture, the magi are surrounded in mystery. But the Magi was given to people by the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, the Persians, the Medes, and others in the east called their wise men, the teachers, the priests, the physicians, the astrologers, the seers, the interpreters of dreams. They were called Magi. 
Now we do know in chapter 1 of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar, he took wise people, young men from Israel and really all the nations that he uh, conquered in the known world at that time and he gathered them together in Babylon to be his advisors. Now this is what we know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were the wisest in Israel that he brought back and they really outshined all of the others because the Bible says they were ten times smarter than the other wise man that he had gathered up. So we do know that there's biblical precedent here that in the east they did gather up these type of people. So in Daniel chapter 1 we know that Daniel, his Jewish comrades came together. They were the astrologers. They were the, the wise advisors of the king. And, and I made an amazing discovery this week. I trace back the word magi to the original root meaning that we could find. Do you know what the original root meaning for this word magi means? You're going to be shocked. It means to become, to become more, to become much, to become great, to become many. And uh, guess what we're trying to do? We're trying to become more, aren't we? So, so you and I are in the process of becoming. The Lord is shaping us, making us, molding us. And the very word here means that very thing. So the Magi were the people who were becoming more. So wise men are in the process, wise women are in the process of what? Becoming more, learning more, being shaped, processed. There's a personal journey that you're on of becoming more than you are today. Can I hear an Amen. Now, this is what we can learn from this Christmas story. You've heard it all your life. I have too. We, we've seen it acted out. We've seen little kids in bathrobes <laughs> carrying sticks with fake beards coming to the front of churches for hundreds of years. And that was our rendition of the wise men, the magi coming. But what can we learn? Four things this morning. Get a pencil and paper. Get it out. Number one, wise people are searchers. Wise people are searchers. Do you know that we're all searching? We're looking for love. We're searching for significance. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for friendship. We're looking for companionship, connections. And here's an account of a group of men that are understanding the significance of searching. And in the time they lived in, it is a time of change. Everybody say change. Now, the reason we know this is because the old is getting ready to pass away. God's bringing in a new covenant. The kingdom is coming. Uh, John's going to preach about about it. Jesus is going to talk about it. The disciples are going to declare it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and the king is coming. The king of this kingdom is coming. And we don't really see the clarity of it. We see it really out of focus here in this story. But sometimes God doesn't always work in clarity in your life, does he? It is a little fuzzy sometimes. We can maybe compare this to following the cloud in the Old Testament. Do you realize that those who left Egypt had never been to the promised land? They, they'd heard about it. It's a land that what flows with milk and honey. They were on a journey. They're going somewhere. And they had to follow the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. It wasn't always clear. But yet they moved when it moved. And here the star appears. And they didn't see the real clarity of it. But they did move in the direction that God was moving. Have you ever had this prayer in your life, God, if you're doing something, let me be a part of it? 
If you're moving this direction, let me be in that same direction that you're moving. You see, sometimes we want God to work in specifics, but he doesn't always work in the specifics that we want him to work in. We want him to show us the whole thing before we start our journey. But that's just the way God operates. He gives us a glimpse. He gives us an unction. He gives us a, a nudge of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we have an instinctive feeling and yet he says, okay, begin to move by faith. And as we move by faith, we get a little closer to where we're going. It's the classic dilemma of a faith walk. How many of you know the Joshua walk by faith? They don't walk by sight. So we're moving in faith. You've heard the story, and maybe we could compare it to what we would do tonight. Let, let's say about uh, 7.30, we're getting ready to, to leave tonight. And you go out to your car, and it's dark. And you say, Pastor, I've got a problem. I say, what's the problem? I, I can't find my way back home. Well, why can't you find your way home? Because my headlights don't shine all the way to my front door. And you know what we'd do? We'd probably say, what happened to them? They're, they're having a bad night here. But you know what? There's this unique thing about your headlights. They will always give you enough light, just enough to get home, won't they? If you just keep going, keep following, keep driving, you're going to get there if you just keep going that direction. And sometimes God's the same way. He just gives you enough light to get a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. But here is the danger. You sit at home and say, God, when you show me the end, I'll start. No, you start, then he'll show you the end, right? So we have to begin a journey. We're, we're looking, we're searching. These are searchers. And God's up to something. The kingdom of God is coming. The Messiah's on his way. And the Messiah is about to be revealed and they are moving the direction of the change. You know, the wise men probably were very uh, much adept to the Jewish culture because if they weren't, if they didn't know about the prophetic word and prophecy, I don't think they would have understood the star. But here they are and they are moving in that direction of change. You know, someone said this and I thought it was so good, that in a world of change, the learners will inherit the earth but the learned will find themselves equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Isn't that true? If you're not continually learning, if you're not continually adapting, if you're not continually moving forward, do you realize that you may know how to work a dial phone? And you learned how to work a dial phone? And you say, Pastor, that's no big deal. Can I tell you the first phone I remember was not a dial phone? The phone in our house was one that was on the wall and it had a little cup on the end and it had a crank on the side. Am I going too far back for you? <laughs> Am I revealing my age? But in our house, it was a wooden box on the wall, had a cup on the front. There was a little wire with a cup on the end. So you put it to your ear and you spoke in the cup and you rang the phone and then you got actually somebody on the other end. There used to be operators. And they would ask you for the number. And when we had that phone, there were only three numbers. You didn't have four. You didn't have a prefix. And the, the prefix for Comanche was Hemstead 9. How many of you ever remember Hemstead 9? Now, some of you are raising your hands. Maybe you need to put it down because you're going to date yourself like me. And, and so they quit saying Hempstead 9, then it was HE9, and then it was 439, and then we come up with something really crazy called an area code. So we went with three numbers to a prefix 
to four numbers, to three numbers, to area code. And listen, if you're still cranking the phone, how many of you know you're way back here? Way back here. And some people are way back there. You see change is coming. The wise men knew change is coming. There's a new covenant coming. There is something new coming. The king is coming. Herod's on his way out. King Jesus is coming, right? So we have to be ready to be learners. We have to look and we have to perceive and we have to grasp. Alvin Toffler said the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. And that's so true. Lisa Nichols said the reason that so many people do not become what they want to become is because they're too attached to what they've always been. Wow. Here's a question for you and I. Are we moving forward or are we going backwards? Are we moving forward or are we stuck? Are we moving forward or are we still searching? You know what can hinder your search? Living in the past can hinder your search. Maybe old, old hurts, doubting your dreams, doubting the visions that you have. How many of you know you shouldn't be a doubter, but you ought to move forward in faith. You ought to be a believer. It could be expecting things to be too easy, giving up too soon. Can I give you a heads up? These guys who traveled and found Jesus did not come in an escalate. They weren't in a Tahoe. They weren't even in a Yugo. They were probably riding a stinky camel. So here they are. They're hundreds of miles away. We don't know exactly where they came from. They came from the Far East. We, we don't know how many miles it was. But I will guarantee you there were hot days. There were cold nights. There were mountains. There were hills. There were ravines. There's valleys. There, there may be the peril of thieves and animals. It wasn't an easy journey. If you think this is going to be an easy journey, let me tell you, you've got the wrong mindset. Wise people understand the journey's not always easy, but they will continue to search and seek and move forward to that which God is doing. And we have to do the same thing. The scholars of that day missed it. They knew. They actually knew. Where will he be born? In Bethlehem. They literally knew but in the midst of their learning, those who memorized the sacred scriptures most missed the Messiah. Most missed the Messiah. Let me give you a little revelation. When he comes back, most are going to miss him again. Most are going to miss him again. Most missed him at his first appearing, and probably most are going to miss him at his second appearing. But wise people, they're looking, they're searching. But these people were stuck in their tradition. They were stuck in their past. Their current reality justified where they were. And they did not choose to see what God was doing, having eyes they could not see and ears they could not hear. How many of you know being stuck is not a good thing? Do you remember back after about five years of the drought, the things were so, so horrible? Trees were dying. Creeks had dried up. Ponds had dried up. The lakes were just a former, a former memory of the past. I can remember going across Warica Lake, across the Walker Creek Bridge, and you had to look about a mile and a half just to see water when the water used to be under the bridge and about a half a mile or a mile further north. You had to look for the water. And then in May and June, we got 20-something inches of rain. How many of you remember that? 
I remember standing there with a conversation. There was a guy, and, and he was saying, it's going to take about seven or ten years for these lakes to fill up. And the guy standing there said, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> said, you're not from Oklahoma, are you? He said, no. He said, I'm going to tell you something. In Oklahoma, things can turn around really fast. In the matter of two months, we got 20-something inches of rain. And I remember we were out checking cattle one day, and I'm in my Ford 350 one-ton four-wheel drive truck, and I thought, if I stay up here, I'll be fine. And I stuck that one-ton truck. I mean, I buried it up to the running board. I said, no problem. I'll get that 4430 John Deere, and I'll go down there and put a chain on it, and I'll pull that truck out. I stuck that John Deere. <laughs> friend of mine, Ty, he was going by in a, a loader, and I said, Ty, go by and pull out my tractor and my truck. And he said, sure, I'll go by and pull it out. He, he had that loader with a, a lift on it, and he got down there, and he, he got his loader stuck. <laughs> And I went down around where that truck was, and uh, I saw trees pulled up out of the ground. I thought, what are these trees pulled up out of the ground? And so he had tied chains to the trees to pull himself out. He pulled the whole trees up. <laughs> he had ruts in the ground that deep. I'm not exaggerating, this deep. Finally, I got that big uh, 86 uh, 40 tractor of ours. It's got eight wheels about eight feet tall and pivots in the middle. And I went down there to pull everything out. And, I let it dry up about two or three weeks before I went down there because I didn't want to get it stuck. And so I broke every chain that we had. Every chain. And a friend of mine that works for me, he says, Mike, he said, I've got a chain that I got from Fort Seal where they pull those Abram tanks around with. And I said, go get it. And he said, well, you're going to have to go help me. The links on that chain are about that big around. I could only lift up about two or three links and just put it in the truck until I got it all in there. We finally got everything pulled out. It's not fun being stuck. Some people get stuck in relationships. They're stuck in church. They're, they're stuck with, with, with so many things in their life. How many of you know it's better to keep moving than get stuck? The religious community of that day were stuck in tradition. They were stuck in their own mentality. God was doing something. The star appeared. A new covenant's coming. A new king's coming. The Messiah's coming. And they missed it. But wise people, listen to me, wise people are always seekers and searchers. Here's number two. There was a prophetic pathway for them to follow. There was a prophetic pathway for them to follow. This is not something that just happened. This was prophesied. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let me give you just some scriptures here that I think you'll find interesting. Psalm chapter 72, uh, verses 8 through 11. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him. His enemies will lick the dust. Kings of Tarshish of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Verse 6. 
And those from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Prophecy. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but he's not near. A star shall come up out of Jacob. The Bible says there's going to be a star that rises. Can I tell you the real star of this story is not the star in the sky. The real star is the star that's in the manger. He's the star. Have you found out preachers want to be stars? They blow up Facebook. I'm the star. They blow up Twitter. I'm the star. They blow up the internet. I'm the star. Hey, there's only one star here. And most preachers who want to be stars end up being falling stars. Come on, I deserve a better amen than that. There's only one star in the church. That's Jesus. And here there is a prophetic pathway for them to follow. Now this is what I know. That something peculiar happened in the heavens. Here's a question I want to pose to you. Were the wise men the only ones who saw the star? Were they the only ones that could see what was going on in the heavens? I think not. I think it was visible for everyone to see. But there were most that missed the star. Do you realize there's opportunities around us all the time? Opportunities for relationships, opportunities for love, and friendship, success. Opportunities are around us all the time, but they have to be seized by our choices. We have to seize the opportunities by our choices. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Moses stood at the gate of the camp after they had committed sacrilege and idolatry with the golden calf. And he said, who is on the Lord's side? Elijah's on Mount Carmel. And he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. If Baal is God, serve Baal. But if Jehovah's God, serve Jehovah. How many of you know there's a whole lot of choices right here in this book? Oh, I know there are some things that are prophetically laid out, but how many of you know you'll never get on the right prophetic, prophetic path unless you make the choice to get on it? It's not his will that any should perish. Do you believe that? It's his will that all should come to repentance. It's his will that we all become children of God, but most will not. Why? Choices. Jesus died for the world. He didn't die just for the church. He didn't just die for a select few. He didn't die for denomination. He died for the world. But the world will not all choose to follow him or receive him. This is a prophetic pathway, but you have to choose to get on the path. There could have been other wise men, other magi that saw the star, but we only hear about these who followed the star. Only these took the initiative. Only these started the journey. And we don't know how many there were. You say, well, there's three. No, it doesn't say three. It's three gifts. We don't know how many wise men. That's just how many kids we dressed up. In the year 2000, the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, made a visit to Blockbuster. Anybody remember Blockbuster? 
they rented out videos, were in the uh, video entertainment uh, industry. Reed Hastings of Netflix offered uh, Netflix to Blockbuster for $50 million. And the leaders of Blockbuster thought it was a ludicrous offer. They, they turned it down. Do you realize how much Netflix is worth today? $80 billion. How many of you think it looks better today? How many of you think they wish they would have bought Netflix for $50 million because today it's worth $80 billion? What happened? Opportunity didn't seize it. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus. And this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to get your life right. An opportunity for you to get on a prophetic pathway. He's already prophesied. It's already written. It's already declared. If you come to Jesus, you will spend eternity in heaven. But you have to choose that. I can't choose it for you. We can see the opportunities, but we have to seize the opportunities by faith. And even though we have a prophetic pathway to follow... We have to make the choice to get on the right road. You see, God has salvation for everyone. He has deliverance for everyone. Forgiveness is for everyone. Can I hear an amen? God has healing. He has the miraculous. He has opportunities for us to become more today and tomorrow and the next day. But are we going to embrace those by faith? Are we just going to sit and look at the stars and not move? We have to lift up our heads and look and move. He's placed them there to guide us to divine appointments in our life. Quit looking at the ground. Quit looking at the past. Quit looking at your failure. Quit looking at other people's opinion on you. Lift up your heads for your salvation is drawing nigh. Amen. They begin to look and search and they begin to move. There was a prophetic pathway that they could travel. And I don't think it was just them that could see it. Here's the third thing. Wise men and women are worshipers and they're givers. Wise men and women, they're worshipers and they're givers. Look at verse 10, Matthew 2. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Isn't it good when you feel like you're on the right path? There's some joy. Isn't it good when you're serving God, you have some joy? Isn't it good that when you read in the Psalms and you read the writings of David and he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many of you know most Americans were saying, I was sad when they said we need to go to the house of the Lord. You know what I want you to do on Sunday morning? I want you to get up on every Sunday morning and say, hey, it's Sunday, I get to go to church. I don't want you to get up on Sunday and say, it's Sunday, I got to go to church. I want you to get up joyful, saying, I'm going to hear some great music. I'm going to see my friends. We're going to worship. We're going to praise. We have the ability to give. We're going to hear the word of God. I'm going to connect with God. Let me tell you, when they saw the star, they were exceedingly glad. They were joyful. Verse 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 11, there's joy. Verse 11, there's humility and worship. You say, Pastor, why, why are you talking about humility? Hey, these, these guys are not just a bunch of chumps. These are what? Wise men and kings. 
They're, they're the, the, the creme de la creme. They're the wisest. They have royalty. They're regal. They have position. They have power. They have money. They didn't bring chips and dip. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But yet when they came to the house and they saw Jesus and Mary, they fell down and worshipped him. Look at verse 11. In the middle of that humility and worship, when they saw the child with Mary, they fell down and worshipped him. Not them, but him. Just for you to take that home with you. Everybody all right? That's the word. They fell down and worshipped him. Why? He's the king. He said, well, I thought they were the king. No, he's the real king. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? You see, every earthly king has to ascend to the throne. Jesus came already from the throne. He didn't have to ascend to the throne. He came from the throne. How many of you know he was king before he was born? He's king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now look at this. They opened up their treasure. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's been preached so many times. It's the gift for a king. It's the gift for a priest and a prophet. And it's a gift for someone to prepare their body for burial. Isn't that amazing? These wise men bringing the right gifts. Have you ever done a study on frankincense and myrrh? Their ointments, their oils, they come from trees to get myrrh and frankincense. You have to scar the tree to get it. And if you're going to try to get that precious oil and that sap out of that tree, and most of the trees have thorns in them, you have to take a knife or something sharp and you have to scar that tree so the sap will ooze out of it. Isn't it interesting that the very valuable things that they're presenting come from the scars of a tree with thorns? Isn't that amazing? The gold is fit for the king. The one is for the anointing of a priest and the prophet. The one is for the burial of a body. How many of you know they had him pegged? He is the king, he is the prophet, he is the priest, and he's going to die for the sins of the world and resurrect. And they bring their gifts to him and they fall down and worship him. And here's number four. After you meet Jesus, you go home a different way. After you meet Jesus... You go home a different way. Look with me at verse 12. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Say that with me. Another way. Say it again. Another way. If you meet Jesus, you'll leave a different way than you came. If you are leaving the same way you came, you really didn't meet Jesus. Can I hear an amen? I remember... When Carrie and I moved back here, we, uh, in our married life, didn't go to church. We didn't serve God. I wasn't looking to go to church and wasn't wanting to serve God at that time. But God did a miraculous uh, work in Carrie's life. And 
Carrie gave her heart to the Lord, and the Lord really did a work there, and she just radically changed. And she wanted me to go to church with her, and I didn't. And so she just uh, went to church with my mother and left me home. And I tell people that when your wife and your mother starts praying for you, you're in trouble. So sometimes after that, uh, Carrie came to me and said, uh, I'm going to get baptized. Would you come and watch? And I did. And of course, the rest is history. The Lord really got a hold of my life, and my life has changed. And uh, I remember I had some friends. Anybody got some friends in B.C.? Do they fully understand what's happened to you since you got saved? Probably not. Let me tell you just a brief synopsis of my story. One night, Carrie and I were at a football game. Some of my friends from college came over, and they found me up in the stands. And they said, Mike, after the game, let's go out and do this, this, and this. And I said, I can't do that. I said, we don't do that anymore. And it's like I was just talking to a fence post. And the game goes on. They said, okay, now after the game, we're going to go out and do this, this, and this. And I said, well, Carrie and I just don't do that anymore. And at the end of the game, the game's over. They said, okay, let's go. And I said, no, we don't do that anymore. I said, you have to understand, Carrie and I, we, we've given our hearts to the Lord, and we're going to church now. We just, we just don't do that anymore. They said, really? I said, really? So they leave. And I thought, okay, that's good. That, that, that's hard to do, really. It really is, because it, it makes you nervous, because they know you here. Now you're saved. You're trying to do what's right. Now you're having to explain this to them. And so I, I did that, and I thought, gosh, that's out of the way. Well, about three months later, they show up again. They show up to my job, and they say, okay, after work, we'll go out and do this, this, and this. And I said, no, listen, I can't do that. I guess I could do that. I don't want to do that anymore. I said, we're serving the Lord now. We're going to church, and, and we just don't do that anymore. And they said, okay, okay. So we're, we're fine. I think, okay, that's over with. About three months later, they show up again. And they said, okay, after work, we're, we're going to go out and do this, this, and this. I said, listen, I said, I don't do that anymore. We're serving the Lord. We're going to church. And this is what they said, you still going to church? Like, hadn't that worn off yet? And, and, and I understand the way they thought because I was, you know, with them for several years through college. And they thought, hey, you go to church, you shake the preacher's hand, then you go out and live any way you want to live. That's not the right plan. Because when you meet Jesus, you go a different way than you came. That's the plan. And the wise man, when they left Jesus, they went a different route according to Scripture. That's what wise men and women do. They go a different direction. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sin again. But you're trying to what? Go a different direction. That's what wise men and women do. When you meet him, you don't leave the same way you came. Or you really didn't meet him. You see, wise people, wise men, wise women are seekers and they never stop. There's not a place where you say, I've sought him enough, I've learned enough, I've worshiped enough, I've given enough, I've gone enough, I've done enough. No! If you're wise, you'll keep searching and looking and moving his direction. Amen? That's what we want to do because there's a prophetic pathway in front of us that we can follow. Make the way plain. There's a straight 
way. There's a narrow gate. We can get on that pathway and he'll shine a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. And there is a star lit pathway in front of you for you to go down and for me to go down. And when I go down that pathway, I'm changed. I'm not the same person that started this journey. And neither are you because he's making me, he's molding me. Do you realize we don't even know the names of these wise men? We don't know how many. We don't know their names. But Matthew etches them in history. Sketchy. Fragments that we don't fully see. A little cloudy. But I'll tell you, there's some tremendous truths right here. Did you get them? Some tremendous truths here that you and I can follow. The star. And continue to follow the star. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.